following sermon was preached at Christ Fellowship United Methodist Church in San Antonio, Texas. So, Paul asks, or Paul puts out there for us, should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? Basically, Paul is asking, if God's in the forgiving business, shouldn't we sin as often as possible so that he can forgive us? Well, you know, I guess you would think that that would make good business sense, but of course not. Of course that's not uh, the way it works. In other words, should we, should we continue to sin in order that grace may abound? Well, that kind of thinking doesn't really work. Paul's saying we shouldn't do that. That, that kind of thinking only works with newlyweds, you know, fighting just for the sake of making up. Now, after you've been married 20 years or more, that fighting kind of tapers off. Maybe that's because grace abounds. But let's talk about grace. Let's talk about grace for a while. Grace, see, is one of those terms that we as Christians throw around pretty liberally. Um, we say things like, there but for the grace of God go I. You've probably heard that saying before. Usually that's a phrase that's spoken whenever you see somebody in a bad situation. You say, there but for the grace of God go I, meaning basically I would be in a heck of a mess too if it weren't for God's grace keeping me out of that kind of trouble. But what is grace? What is it? As Methodists, we have a very high view of grace. Grace, well, it's a big deal. But what does it really mean? Is grace just, you know, God doing something good for you? Some have said uh, that grace is defined as God's unmerited favor. Well, yeah, but, but what does that mean? So, if someone were to walk up to you today that you don't even know and that you didn't even do anything for, and just gives you an ice cream cone for no reason at all, is that grace? You didn't do anything to merit the ice cream. You didn't do anything to deserve it, yet somebody showed you favor. Now, if the ice cream is mint chocolate chip, that dude's got a best friend for life in me. I'm getting a little bit off track here. But grace, grace, what is it and why do we need it? I know that sounds like something that all of us Christians ought to be very familiar with. But I think grace has, this, has become this concept that we often take for granted. So let's deal with grace for a moment today. John Wesley, I think, would be proud. See, we believe that uh, humans are created in God's image. We're created in God's image, and we're given free will. In other words, we're not puppets that God has created. We're not marionettes that, that he controls our every move. God gave us the ability to think, the ability to reason, to love, and even to hurt. All of the things that are necessary to be in relationship. We're created to be in relationship with God and with one another. And you cannot be in relationship 
when you're completely controlled, see? Thus, the Lord has given us free will. Now, due to original sin, we're prone to wander from God, as the old hymn goes. It's a grim outlook without God's grace, and I I want you to understand that, that it truly is a grim outlook without the grace of the Lord. But fortunately, grace is what God is in the business of. Sometimes, though we can be our own worst enemy when it comes to believing in the grace of God, we're afraid often that we're not worthy of God's love. Well, guess what? We're not. We're not worthy of God's love. You're not worthy of God's love. I'm not worthy of God's love. None of us deserves to be in relationship with God. But as the kids at VBS said, wow, God. That's what they said all week long. Wow, God. See, God, through his grace, draws us to God. Without grace, um, we're prone to turn away from God. We continue in sin, as Paul said, we consider ourselves dead to sin, but alive in Christ Jesus. That doesn't mean now that, that we don't sin, but it does mean that we repent of our sins. We turn away from sin. We actively reject sin. And that can only be done through God's grace. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. We're corrupted, see, by original sin. We are a, a fallen people, prone to give in to evil. Yet, through Christ, we're saved. We're strengthened so that in Christ, we're able to reject sin. And we sometimes fall, sometimes we stumble in our walk. But Christ continues to call us to himself. He continues to coach us, continues to encourage us, and guess what? Never gives up on us. That's grace. You know, in the Catholic Church, uh, they have the, what's known as the Sacrament of Reconciliation. Often we, we refer to it as, as confession. You're probably familiar with, with confession in the Catholic Church, where someone, go, someone goes to a priest and confesses their sins, um, and the priest absolves the person in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, guess what? As Methodists, we do the same thing. It's a little bit different. We don't consider it a sacrament, and it's not necessary for forgiveness that we go to someone like a priest or pastor. We don't have the, a formal way of doing it, but I can tell you that plenty of Methodists contact their pastors to confess their sins. Now, they don't usually start by saying, forgive me, pastor, for I have sinned. Usually this dance of confession is a little bit more veiled than that. But what it comes down to is this. Pastor, I've done something that I'm not proud of. I don't feel worthy of God's love. And often, it's not that straightforward either, but, but having the conversations when someone calls or when someone visits, the conversations may, may, not, they may not come directly out with that, but basically that's what it comes down to. Pastor, I've done something that I'm not proud of. 
I don't feel worthy of God's love. And often what it is that they're looking for from the pastor is for the pastor to respond by telling them, you know, you're a good person and you are worthy of God's love. But that's really not the most accurate response, nor is it sometimes the most helpful. If we were to be honest, which I think we should be, the correct response is that we, we've got to acknowledge first that none of us is worthy. Yet through God's grace, we recognize our sin and we confess our sin and we receive God's forgiveness because we're not worthy. But God offers that grace. God offers that forgiveness through his grace. I was once asked uh, by a, uh, someone to, to visit with a young man who had received a purple heart in Afghanistan. His mother actually called me and asked me if I would go visit with him while he was in the hospital. See, he was having trouble coping with being a, a survivor of a particular attack while others that he was friends with had perished. He had been wounded, uh, but he, he survived. And he reflected on the things that he had been asked to do in war and was having a very difficult time expressing what it was that he was feeling. The, the mother told me these things, and so feeling inadequate myself to go and talk to the young man, first thing I did was I called a friend of mine who was a military chaplain and said, what do I do? Well, this military chaplain friend of mine gave me some great advice. He said, let him confess his sins to you. See, the young man... Young man didn't need to be told that he was worthy of God's love. After what he had been through, he wouldn't have believed me anyway if I told him that he was worthy of God's love. What he needed was assurance that he was forgiven. Our salvation, our salvation doesn't depend on our worthiness. Salvation is dependent on God's grace. So there it is. That's the core of, of why grace is so important. Salvation doesn't depend on our worthiness. Thanks be to God. Salvation is dependent on God's grace. Now maybe you've been on an Emmaus walk um, and learned about all the different uh, graces. The fact is there's, there's one grace. But Wesley and, and others use these different terms of grace, these different terms to describe various stages of grace, stages that begin before we're even aware that Christ is calling us into relationship with himself. Prevenient grace, you may remember that if you've been on, a, on an Emmaus walk, prevenient grace, or if you've been to seminary, um, enables us to choose a relationship with God. Prevenient grace is that grace that is extended to us before we're ever even aware of our need for a relationship with God. It's that, that grace that comes before that moves us to that direction. Remember, see, we have free will. And we're a fallen people who without God's prevenient grace would be prone to choose corruption over relationship with God. God's Prevenient grace opens up the possibility for us to choose God. 
justifying grace, another stage of grace. Justifying grace, I like to call this the apex of salvation. See, Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. When we pray our prayer of confession each week, I typically put that at the end of the prayer of confession. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. Justifying grace moves us to respond. That act of Christ being crucified, as Paul says, that act of of crucifixion is an atonement. That act of crucifixion is uh, a moment of grace that while it happened on the mountain, Calvary is extended to us today and moves us to repentance, moves us to receive God. Justifying grace allows us to identify our own sins and repent of our sins and receive God's forgiveness through Christ's sacrifice. This is what Paul was talking about when he says that we have been crucified with Christ. Through that crucifixion and through our baptism in Christ's death, we've also been united with Christ in resurrection. Chapter 6 of Romans, verse 4 says, Therefore we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. Justifying grace calls us to conversion. We're converted, and when we're converted, you better believe that we walk in the newness of life. And that brings us to sanctifying grace. Grace that sustains us in our relationship with God. See, we're not made perfect in justifying grace. We're not made perfect when we have Uh, gone through our conversion experience. But we're given the gift of grace to continue our walk with Christ, to continue our relationship with Christ, with the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. See, grace isn't this commodity that that God doles out to people. It's not a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's not uh, uh, as, uh, as Paul's letting us know here. You don't, you don't sin because Christ forgives you. It's not a, it's not a situation where we know, okay, Christ is going to forgive us, so we might as well sin, and he'll forgive us. No big deal. That's not repentance. Repentance is that turning away from sin. Not just saying, I'm sorry. Not just, okay, I won't do it again, but actually turning away from sin. And grace is what gives us the ability to do that. And this sanctifying grace is what sustains us in that. Grace is not something that we can get more of if we sin more. Grace is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that enables us to choose God to respond to God, and to grow in perfect relationship with God. See, we can't work out our own salvation. We can't do it on our own. We can't save ourselves. We're not worthy 
of God's mercy or God's love. But, but we're truly blessed that God loves us so much that Jesus Christ was sent to offer grace to even sinners like you and me. God bless you. We'd like to invite you to worship with us at Christ Fellowship United Methodist Church in San Antonio, Texas. Check us out on Facebook or visit our webpage at www.cfumcsa.org.